0: Hello, I'm Sam, and welcome to the Learn and Experience podcast, putting a spotlight on remarkable young people and exploring the world they live in. Today, I'm joined by our two regular team members from Learn and Experience, the life skill adventure experts. We've got language guru, Mike. Hello. And our very own Miss Positive, Julie. Hi there. This episode will be shining a spotlight on Simon, a 17-year-old from Sweden to talk about his transgender journey. We'll be visiting Spain, New Zealand, Germany, the World Wide Web and the USA twice in Around the World in six stories. And we'll be looking at Sweden in Destination factual Fiction and also looking at the language of Sweden in Language Corner. This is the Learn and Experience podcast. OK, Julie, where are we going first?
1: OK, so we're off to New Zealand, where late last year they announced a plan to end smoking in the country. So under this new plan, the country would make it illegal for people born after 2008 to buy cigarettes. So the plan aims to stop young people from ever starting to smoke. So for years, New Zealand has been working to lower the number of people in the country who smoke. And the new plan, which is expected to be coming to law this year, is the first of its kind in the whole world. Now it won't affect people who are currently smokers. Instead, it's designed to keep people who haven't smoked from ever starting. So, starting in 2023 people under the age of 15 would be banned from buying cigarettes after that the age limit for buying tobacco products will be raised every year so by 2050 someone would have to be at least 42 years old to buy cigarettes in simpler terms the move would prevent people born after 2008 from ever buying tobacco products and no country has ever tried an age limit raising plan like new zealand's before but the government is saying studies show that cigarette sales to young people drop when the age limit is raised.
2: I mean, as an ex-smoker, I have to confess, I did used to smoke. I think that's a pretty good measure to introduce because we know how addictive smoking is. It's so, so, so addictive and nothing good comes out of it. But then I'm an ex-smoker who, you know, thinks that it's a bad habit if you are a smoker I guess you'd think well it's my choice I can smoke
0: I think you're in a good place to be able to say that there Mike aren't you being an ex-smoker at least you have the experience of you know of the benefits of it and they obviously don't outweigh the negative from your point of view yeah definitely that overall
2: it's you don't get that much pleasure from smoking kids we're off to Barcelona in Spain next, where children and their families are riding bikes to go to school in a new program called the BC bus or the bike bus. The program actually started back in September and it started with just five children. And now hundreds of riders go to school in a convoy every Friday morning they get they ride their bikes some of them. some of them ride scooters and some of them skateboard but essentially you've got this huge convoy that takes over the middle of the the streets in the neighborhood uh, of Exemplar. i think i'm pronouncing that probably wrong um, but it's a neighborhood within barcelona and once a week uh, the local police provide a police escort and everybody just goes on their bikes and they pick up kids along the way. So Maria, who's nine years old said, the best thing is about this is that I get to pick up my friend on the way to school and we ride our bikes together and we get to school like that. So they're hoping that this is going to become a more of a a national thing and then perhaps other countries will copy it as well.
1: What the best way to start your day Is just like cycling, doing something that you weren't maybe previously allowed to do, and then all your mates just joining in. I can't think of a better way to start the day. I absolutely love that.
2: And the best thing is they play music, so it it feels like a party. (laughs)
1: Literally the best way to start the day. I think we should just start doing that here to work. Everybody just, you know, between the hours of half past eight and nine, just bikes in the driving rain and snow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: There's something that that really evokes memories to me of... of, uh, E.T., the film E.T., I I think of that scene where they're just all the kids come together and they're cycling. It's just really cool. And that's what this story makes me think of. Just, it's so fun, isn't it, biking, but it's more fun biking with people. And particularly on a, you know, before school, on a day that shouldn't be necessarily as fun as, you know, another day maybe. It's like, it's it's awesome with your friends. (laughs) Just, you know, I think it's going to take off, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's obviously not something that doesn't happen you know, in other places, but I love the en masse thing. It's, White table, uh, we, just like ET? The... <laughs> hey! <laughs> Sorry, <you>
1: missed that. <laughs> you missed her you missed own one. <laughs>
2: I think we can fairly say that Eleni Podcast, we are behind the BC bus in Barcelona, so well done, BC bus
0: crew. Okay, we're going to Germany now, where nine young people have won a climate lawsuit against their own government. So Germany's top court has ruled that parts of the country's 2019 climate action law must be changed because they don't do a good job of protecting young people. The court case highlights an important part of the climate crisis. The climate crisis will affect young people far more than adults. And that's because the effects of global global warming will become more serious over time. As young people become adults, they'll be left to deal with any problems that today's adults have ignored. In 2019, Germany passed a new law promising that the country would be carbon neutral by 2050. The law made a detailed plan of action until 2030, but the law didn't have any specific rules or plans for climate action that would be taken between 2031 and 2050. So a group of nine young people aged 15 to 24 took the government to court over the law. They said the government's failure to plan carefully was putting their future lives in danger. Under the government's plan, they felt like they would be left to deal with the most difficult emission challenges when they were adults. So Louisa Neubauer is one of the young people who sued. She works with the climate action group Fridays for Future. Louisa said climate protection is our basic right and that's official now. This is a huge win for the climate movement, and it changes a lot.
2: That's an impressive win, isn't it? Do, do you th- Does it say if they represented themselves in court?
0: I don't know about the specific uh, actual lawsuit. I, I imagine they didn't. I imagine they probably had uh, lawyers on their behalf. Uh, but it was... That'd be quite fun,
2: like a nine-year-old going, no, 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 no. I, I, I... Your <laughs> Honor, this is not right. And they've watched loads of... Uh series on netflix about how to be a good lawyer
0: i think Lord, i think uh, i think courtroom dramas are my favorite one of my favorite films and i can really imagine some of these young people really you can't
1: handle the truth <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> one yeah. of our favorite films ever that's it's really interesting that you know germany the, the government have come up with this law And they've gone you know what that's that's great it's not good enough you know and i think that that's probably done quite a lot like people just settle for substandard anything really you know it's really great of them to go you know it's going to be us it's going to be us in 20 30 40 years time and this isn't good enough so i think that's great
0: don't you don't always just have to we we talk about a lot on this podcast about climate change and it is it's the young people who are going to suffer the consequences so good on them for being proactive and taking action.
1: So we're off to America now. So when 13 year old Adiola Olagbegdi discovered his bone marrow transplant was successful, he was granted any wish of his choice. He chose to feed the homeless people in his hometown of Jackson, Mississippi for a whole year. So in June, 2020, um, Adiola was diagnosed with alplastic anemia, which is a rare and life-threatening blood disorder. This disease is a type of bone marrow failure that made it impossible to provide enough blood cells to support his body. Now, because the disease causes bone marrow damage, Abraham needed a new bone marrow transplant to survive. Now, Make-A-Wish Mississippi, which grants wishes to children and teens ages two to 18 who are often battling devastating illnesses, made his wish come true, bringing to life Abraham's Table, a service that provides meals to the homeless every third Saturday. On those days, Abraham and a group of volunteers stand in Jackson's Point Dexter Park distributing meals and will continue to do so um, with Make-A-Wish for the next year. Um, Abraham was ingrained with kindness growing up. Before his diagnosis, he and his family fed the homeless in his community every month.
3: Well,
2: I I heard of this foundation called Make-A-Wish um, through a friend of mine who does a podcast and he said that they're one of the organizations that let staff make their own job title. And I think there are quite a few organizations who do that now, but Make-A-Wish was one of the first charities at least to say, you can choose what job title you want.
1: On that note, when I first started working for Learn and Experience, Sab said, you can choose your job title. Um, We had a conversation. I came up with Director. Um, we both really liked it, but both agreed that it wouldn't look very good on LinkedIn. So we decided to go for operations manager. But Fun Director was up there. It was close. So not just big, huge charities, also um equally sizable summer camp organizations.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For what it's worth, Julie, I think you'd make a very good director of fun.
0: You was a very thank you. <laughs> a very good fun director. Um, <laughs> i think at is awesome
1: he could have had anything and he's 13 he could have had any computer just be completely you know what what do 13 year old boys like but you know, computer games or a trip around the world or anything he wanted and that's what he chose just amazing absolutely amazing okay. and i think yeah he, he was already you know he was already doing it he, he'd obviously been brought up very well and um, brought up to be a person who's kind and wants to give back And that's exactly where his brain went when he was given this one wish. So um, he's putting all this love out into the world and I'm sure he gets a lot of love back from doing it. So good on you, mate.
2: We're off to the World Wide Web next, where a little story blew my little tiny mind this week. And that is that TikTok... The website that if you haven't heard of you've been living under a rock uh was voted the most popular website of 2021 so if you put that into context that means that tiktok is more popular than google now as a middle-aged man i don't use tiktok i i know what it is but to 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 put put that into context, that means that more people go on TikTok on a daily basis than use Google as a search engine. (sighs) My mind has been blown. Uh, It was seventh at the beginning of 2021, and it leapt up into first place, overtaking um, Google and also Amazon, Netflix, Facebook, Microsoft, and Apple. So the top three most popular websites of the world of 2021 were TikTok in first place, Google in second, and Facebook in third. <clears throat> Once you talk, you just can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Lol.
0: So I'm also going to America now, and in fact, Colorado, to be precise, to be inspired by a 105-year-old... Who is still setting sprinting records. So Julia, the Hurricane Hawkins, has set a new world record by running the 100 metre dash in just over 62 seconds. If that doesn't sound particularly fast to you, so Usain Bolt's world record is 9.58 seconds, keep in mind that Miss Hawkins is 105 years old, And before this year, there wasn't even a category for female runners over the age of 104. They had to create one. However, running isn't even Miss Hawkins' main sport. She's been biking for most of her life, but she took up running a few years ago and set her first world record in 2017. Encouraging others to be active is a big part of what keeps Miss Hawkins running. She said, my message to others is that you have to stay active and if you want to be healthy and happy as you age, just keep moving. What an inspiration she is.
1: So you were saying in the first bit, there wasn't a category. So you're actually saying that she won. She came yeah, first she, in her category. Yes,
0: yeah, she's first. She's the world record holder. She's everything. I mean, we like to cover youth stories of, on the Learn and Experience po- podcast, but I think this is an inspiration to all of us to think 105 years old and I actually watched her do this so I watched the video of her
1: how uh, long did it take you Uh,
3: 60 seconds
0: about 65 seconds and just watching her it was so amazing because she really was sprinting like for her she was she wasn't just you know just walking and just I'm 105 years old I've gone 100 meters she was going for it was completely puffed out at the end but smiling all the way and it was you know i'll admit i brought a tear to my eye it was uh it was it was pretty incredible okay that was the world in six stories okay we have a special guest this week and we are delighted to welcome simon from sweden hi simon hello right can you tell us a little bit about yourself
3: yeah uh, so I'm from Sweden, I'm 17 years old, and I'm in school, Uh, I go an international program called the International Baccalaureate, which I'm right in the middle of at the moment, and I study literature and visual arts mostly. uh, Which are kind of my main interests outside of school as well.
0: Okay, so Simon, we've got you on today to talk about your transgender journey. And for us, you have have basically attended our summer camps uh, for three years, three different years, I think. Uh, Yeah. Um, And in 2018, uh, your mother had booked you on uh, our programmes and you uh, emailed me separately and asked to be called Simon. And I just want to hear from from your perspective uh kind of that whole process and 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 how it was for you from from the moment you decided to email me uh and uh from the moment you
3: arrived at camp and, and that whole experience um oh well, it was kind of a. it was all very new to me uh so i didn't really know what to expect when i emailed i didn't know if you know, that was something you were allowed to do or because uh, I hadn't told my parents and it was like the winter before that I had kind of just figured myself out and I really loved going to L&D the first time I went and I kind of dreaded going back, knowing all this new stuff about myself and not being able to share that with anyone. That sounded like the worst possible summer ever. Uh, so... <laughs> I kind of just figured I'd like nothing bad, like it wasn't illegal to ask um, anyone of that, I think. So I emailed you guys and I had like no expectations because it was really the first time I had approached an adult or just a, a, another person with these um, questions or like to ask someone, oh, this is my preferred name and pronouns. I had never had that conversation before. It was all very, something I kept very to myself. Um, So when I came to camp, kind of anything was great to me, you know, that it was just someone who listened and you guys were totally fine with it. And I was just kind of amazed that it didn't, like the world didn't end (laughs) because I like asked adults to listen to me. Uh, So it was really good. And. And even now, looking back that summer in l and is kind of my first time uh, being out and kind of you know being myself in that sense. So it's it has a lot of importance to me just as a place. And it, it was like monumental for me that uh, I had a place where I was just accepted and it was great, yeah. <laughs>
0: How did your kind of peers and your, your the fellow campers react to, you know, how did they treat you? Did there was anything different to kind of the previous time or was there no change?
3: Um, I mean, I think it's a bit different because the first time I went to any in general, I was really young, I think, um, compared yeah. to the rest of the kids there. Uh, so I felt more maybe ready to be more outwards and outgoing anyways in general. Uh the second time, but um I don't know. I think it was I didn't really talk about it or explain it too much to other campers. And I think it was kind of this uh it wasn't a mystery per se, but uh like some young kids would ask me, Oh, why are you sleeping on the girls' floor? But your name is Simon. And it was like, Oh, you know, and I just kind of shrugged and I mean it wasn't a big deal, and I think that was kind of the charm of L in general that. Whatever you do, it's kind of these couple of weeks during the summer where it's just kind of, I don't know, it just feels like a separate little pocket universe where no one really questioned you too hard, so I didn't really say much. But the times when I did talk about it, mostly with the people in my dorm room, I guess, they didn't really know anything, but they were really curious, and I realized that People don't really interact with stuff that they don't experience themselves. So I was probably the first trans person a lot of those kids met. And I'm now I'm happy that they asked me all those questions because it probably taught them a lot just to like see a, a real trans person and you know be able to ask rather than maybe instead have a bunch of stereotypes based on like ignorance you came the the year
0: after were you, were you able to answer you know that first year were you able to answer those questions or did it become easier or were you able to answer them you know straight
3: away mm. i mean i think i had more questions or i talked about it more the first year cuz i guess i approached you guys for the first time about it and also because the second year i had my own little room which was very convenient so I guess it was uh, less of a of an open thing. I didn't really talk about it the second year at camp, actually. Um, so I think most of those uh, questions came because it was like out in the open the first year, uh, which it wasn't really in the second year. And I think I, I wanted um, the second year to not actually be questioned about it because um, I wasn't out in my general life between the years I went to L&E. So I was kind of, I went to L&E and I was just really relieved that I could just um, be myself and be referred to as Simon. And I just didn't have to answer any questions and it was kind of really relieving. Yeah, that's great to hear.
2: Knowing what you know now and you've been through A, a, a journey of such importance what advice would you give to others who are going through the same experience um
3: I guess first of all to like uh, trust that there will be people you can lean on for support uh, and that's of course really difficult uh you know easier said than done but um I, I expected to kind of have to be, you know, like suck it up and do everything myself and not ask for too much support because it felt like there was a limit until it became annoying or, you know, I made being trans my whole thing if I keep asking people to accommodate me, which is not true at all. Uh, But I think that's hard to know. as like if you're young, like 14 or 13, it's difficult to not feel like everything is your own responsibility at times. So I would just want kids to take a breath and realize that you know you're a kid and you're allowed to ask for help and sometimes you know you're not going to get it and that's horrible but there will always be places of support and maybe they should be more visible but you know uh, I just want people to know that they exist because I at times felt like there were no places where I could uh, just uh, lean on other people
1: um can't quite emotional sorry simon it's um i just first of all i just think you're so so brave and for those kids that you spoke to you know that first year when you were when we called you simon like you would have done a lot for them as well and opened their eyes a lot and just yeah just it's all about visibility you know growing up when you know when i was like 12 13 and knew i was gay and wanted to come out and didn't have anybody around me it's it's really hard and if you have someone that you can see that's doing it and rocking it and it's all good then it just makes it so much easier so yeah just very brave and and thank you for for for, for doing it so you were talking a little bit about um about the support about you know your advice would be to young people is to, to to ask kind of for support and not to be scared of that like what has been the support system for you like friends family school you know any, any other sort of
3: types uh i mean it's i think i'm really lucky or that's it's kind of a trick cuz i don't want to say that i'm lucky for people to support me because it should be a given but you know it's not so i appreciate that i am but i think often i would not really ask for support cuz i felt like it was asking for too much. But once I got to a point where I, and usually it maybe got quite emotional that I would just maybe, yeah, just kind of not very productively lash out because I really needed support. Then of course it was like, you know, my parents were like, yeah, of course you can come to us or, you know, friends. Uh, but um, it's hard to, I think, see maybe sometimes that people are willing to support you But um, I do, like, my parents support me and my extended family, most of them are really, you know, curious. If they don't really know, you know, they come to me and ask me, you know, what does it mean? And, yeah, what are your pronouns? And questions like that, which I think are great. Uh, And, like, I think now I'm at a point where I feel like I am supported. But three years ago, maybe, even though the same support was there I did not know how to ask for it which I think is kind of a common problem that you don't really see the support because you're really scared of the prob like possibility that there is none so
1: yeah it's terrifying being being young and not and not you're, you're you're still young your brain's still developing you know you're you're still experiencing everything so fast and it's really easy to get caught up in 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 just fear and being scared and it's like you tell one person then you tell another and it kind of gets and you're like oh like nothing terrible (laughs) happened like oh and it gets you braver and braver so um right that's I'm really glad that um because you're right it's not always the same you know my parents were really cool and just took it in their strides and you know this was a very long time ago as well you know and things have changed a lot now so I'm really glad that people around you were you know mostly mostly great about it so I'm really glad for you.
0: So what about I mean it's not kind of your responsibility to to tell people how they should react but as far as people reacting uh, to your story or or, you know interacting with people who who are going through a, a similar journey do you have any advice for them like when people ask you questions for example at camp that was a good thing from your point of view
3: or you prefer people didn't ask questions no i mean if those are the options i definitely want people to ask questions but i guess um i want ideally um that it shouldn't really there shouldn't really have to be someone to come out for people to talk about lgbtq identities or uh issues you know but often i think a lot of people kind of are faced with all these questions themselves once they meet a trans person, for example, like those kids at camp, which is totally understandable. But I guess uh, there are so many great places where maybe adults and in general people could start a conversation without depending on like one person to come out to start the conversation. Because that can be really scary as a trans person or just a LGBTQ plus person. So I guess I would want people to start asking questions, not necessarily at like the one trans person they know, but just in general, ask them. And then if one person, you know, dares to ask, oh, I actually don't know that much about the LGBT community. I bet someone else will say, oh, yeah, me neither. What's up with that? And it's immediately a conversation that isn't really dependent on one person, you know, daring to come out because that can be a lot to ask of people in certain settings. So I just want it to be kind of a collective curiosity that opens up a, a conversation, yeah, in general.
2: I think it's a really good point uh, that ties in with something you said earlier as well, about your identity being more than just trans,
3: right? Like, yeah, because like otherwise
2: we can just sort of go, oh, you're the you're the gay person, or you're the you know we we pigeonhole identities like that, and actually it's kind of like. You know, no, I I, I'm, I have more than that going on But the sum of my parts.
3: Yeah, for sure. And that's I think that I'll, a part of because that's a pretty common mindset or, you know, you're usually pointed out for kind of the one odd thing about you. And I used to, especially when I was younger, be so defensive and unwilling to tell people that I was trans because in my mind, then that would totally diminish me into this one Mm. thing or question or curiosity in their mind. And I just did not want to be that. Uh, But that's something I myself am unlearning because I know like after a conversation or two, you know, that's not at all going to be the case if people are willing to listen, of course. Uh, So it's it's definitely something that I kind of internalized that, oh, that's the only thing people are going to see you for and then And then I was like, yeah, but that's not what I want to be known for. So then it was kind of this all or nothing situation where either they know and that's all they know or people don't know and I can do other cool stuff. And that's, (laughs) you know, that's not how I want it to be. So
0: the point that I really like is that actually this is not what defines you. And that's how I view L&E. So learning experience to me is a space where it doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, Elanee should be a place that is um, open for everybody, and that shouldn't be at the forefront of everyone's mind. The forefront is to, to be relaxed and have a lovely time, you know, and to be yourself. And that's what that's what I aspire to do all the time, uh, and 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 the staff as well. But we are all learning, and and we we won't get it right every time. But we want to get it right, and that's why it's so important having these conversations. Um, and I hope you know I'm certainly learning all the time, and, and I know that Mike and Julie and and all our staff, you know, the, there's not one of them who who doesn't want to get it right. It, it's something that we it's a, a continuous path, right? We're we're just continually making sure that we we're all not ignorant.
1: I think. I think what it did was it made us all think and it made us think why are we doing this this way why are we doing this that way so it actually kind of opened our minds to potentially just different ways of of doing things and that can only be a good thing so again yeah thank you thank you for for putting the trust in 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 sam and and lne um because as sam said like lne to especially to the children, is this like sanctuary of where they can come, and they're they're away from their family, they're away from their friends that they probably spend twelve hours a day with every day, and and to be away from that is really important for a lot of young people, and I think that's exactly what you used it for. You were going to be away from every everybody that you knew. You were going to dip your toe in the water and see what happened, and nothing terrible happened, uh, which is which is good.
3: I mean, that's all. it's guess the most important thing is to just um, remind yourself that you. Yeah, can always learn especially i think older you know or adults uh, you know you, you never you never complete uh, your learning experience uh, you know at any point
0: cool thank you so much simon that that you know you. it's really really great to hear and uh wish you all the best with, with everything You're from Sweden, Simon, and we're going to do a quick rundown on some facts, uh, in quotation marks, of Sweden. And you have to decide whether you think it is a fact or fiction, okay? You're going to go up against Mike and Julie. Uh, they're going to confer, because you've obviously got the advantage of coming from Sweden. Let's see how much you know about your own country. Destination, fact or fiction? So Sweden has a population of... 10 million. Right, um, fact. I think
1: it's more. Surely more.
0: It's um, bigger than that,
1: isn't it, Sweden? What, what say, did your gut say?
2: Go, bigger. go on, go bigger. Go bigger.
1: We, th- we think fiction, because it's more.
0: Oh dear, I, I see some problems in this team already. Mike's not happy. <laughs> uh, because, Simon is correct, it is 10 million. There are ten thousand lakes in sweden
1: we'll go first mike what does your gut say we'll go with your gut this time i
2: mean what is lake is it just a, a bit of water it's we say locks in
1: scotland i don't, I don't know i'm Lox. i'm
2: <laughs> i mean that's I'd... a lot of lakes
3: fact i think it's fiction i've never heard of that many lakes in my life <laughs> okay so. mike well Interestingly,
0: Simon has got it right, but for the wrong reasons, because there are actually nearly 100,000 lakes in Sweden. Oh, where? What? <laughs> where? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's 97,000 lakes, apparently. Just to give you a little bit of background on Sweden as a country, it is, in fact, well, third largest country landmass in, in the European Union and fifth overall in in Europe. So it's quite a big country, but pretty um, sparsely populated. So I think everyone's heard of Alfred Nobel, who was a a famous Swede, and we know a lot of the prizes that are given out every year. He was famous for inventing dynamite, but he
3: also invented bubblegum. Fiction? That's very random, (laughs) I don't... I think it's fiction. Fiction.
1: Sam has made that up on the spot. Has he, Mike? There's Ooh. something that
2: appeals to me in that connection <laughs> between blowing a bubble and dynamite. Maybe maybe there is some sort of connection. Jules, what do
1: I'm, you think? I'm listening to A Short History of Everything by Bill Bryson, but I use it to fall asleep too. This might have been the section that I fell asleep because <laughs> I do remember him talking about, um, what's your man's first name? Alfred, Alfred, Alfred Nobel. Yeah, I don't know, Mike. If you you you're liking it, you love it. Let's go. Let's go fact. fact. (laughs) We'll go fact.
0: In fact, yeah. I can't believe I convinced you, Mike. It is fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Another one for Simon. So famously, an engineer, but he did. He was particularly famous for inventing dynamite. One of the most famous bands coming out of Sweden is ABBA. And in fact, Sweden are the third largest exporter of music in the world. I would say so. You've got ABBA,
1: Swedish House Mafia, Rob Robin, is Robin from Sweden? Yes, Simon? yes. Yeah, dancing on my own and all that. Okay. It might even be higher. They have a lot of music people, musicians, <laughs> that's what they're called.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. I think fact, there's something...
1: He also might have reeled us in with this whole ABBA, and it might just be ABBA, Robin and Swedish Swedish. We're I can't say that get
2: word. One Swedish. That's right. my I think Facts. They're a musical nation.
1: Fact. We're going yeah. fact. Lock it fact. in.
3: I also think it's a fact.
0: Well done, both of you. Yeah, the third largest exporter of music in the world, second only to the United States and Great Britain. Sweden has the oldest monarchy in the world. Uh, fiction. He seemed pretty sure, Mike. It, yeah, should we go fact?
1: <laughs> I think we've lost anyway. The oldest monarchy in the world. <laughs> Shall we say fiction just to be racy?
2: Yes. No, fact, because...
1: Oh, no, Simon, You. what did you say, Simon? I said fiction. Okay, now let's say no, fact. 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 Yeah, fact. Yeah,
0: yeah. Five out of five, Simon. That's the best result we've had on Destination. Fact or fiction so far? You know your country. <laughs> yes i do it is in fact um, the eighth eighth oldest uh, monarchy in the world uh number one anyone want to guess at number one oldest monarchy japanese well done good job Mike. Really? yeah bonus point yeah. <laughs> give you a bonus point still three behind anyway do you know who the first monarch was simon i don't named after your brother
3: oh yeah vaguely familiar eric Eric, that'll do. Eric the Victorious.
1: What a name. What What a A name. name.
0: Good stuff. So Simon is the winner this week. Very well deserved. Thank you. We, We did rubbish. You did awesome. I'm going to finally hand over to Mike in Language Corner. Yes. So as we know,
2: Swedish is a language that's related to Norse, Old Norse. And it may surprise you to know that there are 9 million Swedish speakers around the world. Some words from Swedish have made it into the English language, like moped, orienteering, and ombudsman, which is like somebody who works in the public sphere as a, as a lawyer. Um, And orienteering, do you use that in Swedish?
3: Oh, uh, yeah, we do.
2: Uh-huh. Simon, can you tell us uh how do you say how are you in Swedish? you say du?" Okay. Oh Julie, can you um just <laughs> uh, what I'm gonna ask you to do now, Simon, is if you if you listen to all of us, just repeat that. Uh you yeah. can say then say who would be the most convincing Swede? Okay. Yeah. Julie, your turn.
1: Can I get it one more time from Simon, please?
3: Yes. Yes. Ur that was great.
1: Oh, excellent.
0: Oh, dear me. Morda. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sam is um, very Yorkshire.
0: Ulmorda. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, come on, come on. It was going to be good. Mike. Ulmorda. <laughs> <laughs> Morda.
3: Just... <laughs> <laughs> okay, be honest, Simon. Um, I think Julie was best, but that's because she heard me say it the most recent. Exactly. Um, You're so
1: diplomatic.
3: Well, was, you all kind of sounded like uh, you were from Finland and speaking Swedish. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> <That's enough>. interesting.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry. You wanted it in my Scottish accent, not my Finnish accent. Apologies. <laughs> apologies.
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask you, uh, Simon, about the word uh, because I I did some research about Sweden and this word kept on coming up but I don't know if it's kind of something that's you know just a Wikipedia kind of thing rather than something that happens in real life but if I said fika to you
3: oh yeah what does that mean to you? Uh, well fika is um, a casual hangout where you probably drink coffee and have a pastry and it's kind of trendy like from the outside like apparently it's a really interesting thing to other people who aren't Swedish but it's really just like a free whenever you have a free moment and you go grab a coffee with a friend it's kind of very casual but also very ingrained in Swedish society and that's
0: that's kind of for a long time it's not just a modern thing
3: yeah no i mean i'm not sure when the word of course uh was invented but no it's a it's a pretty long standing tradition
0: the definition i i mean you've basically given the exact definition that i i had uh, found uh they just took, go on a little bit further here saying uh, this ritual also includes having an open and meaningful conversation at the same time, which can be, which can involve
3: dealing with profound issues. Um, yeah, for sure. I totally forgot that's the most important part of it. Uh, oh, really? But I mean, I guess it is kind of a guaranteed moment to you know have a conversation with you know a friend or I don't know a coworker. I mean, I don't have a job, but you know, it's kind of a a moment to catch up. I guess you can make it really profound too, but to me, it's very casual. But you wouldn't. So, what would we, be
1: the, like the British version of that be?
0: Do you want a cuppa, actually, or do you want a brew? It kind of covers that. You know, it doesn't mean yeah. do you want a cup of tea. It it mainly means do you want to come and have a chat? But, you know, that's what it kind of means. And we'll put the kettle on while we're doing it. You know, that's a really good. That's a really good analogy, isn't it? Actually, yeah. But it's, it's, it, would you choose, you know, when you're WhatsApping or texting or whatever, would you say, Shall we go for a Fika? Yeah,
3: I think I It's do that. used
0: as a word, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's it for this week. Goodbye, Simon. Goodbye, Mike. Goodbye, Julie.
1: Goodbye, Sam.
0: Goodbye, everybody. We hope you enjoy the show. That was the Learn and Experience podcast, putting a spotlight on remarkable young people
3: and exploring the world they live in.